This is episode number two of The Inspiring Talk with transformational coach, master trainer and inspiring author, Brigadier Susil Vaseen. Welcome guys to The Inspiring Talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I'm host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. I'm super excited for my guest today, guys. He's an ex-army brigadier turned master trader, author of the book, Design Your Life, an empowering educator. He helps people to move from where they are to where they could be at the age of 54. After serving for Indian Army for more than three decades, he has realized his life purpose of helping students succeed in their lives. His book, Design Your Life, is out on the market and has been featured in Times of India, Hindustan Times, Indian Express, among others. He is one of the best trainers out there with his expertise in outdoor and experiential learning. And his clients include companies like Tata Indicum, JP Morgan, Microsoft, among others, and has successfully completed hundreds of training programs for companies like these. I was introduced to Brigadier Susilvacine at his Train the Super Trainer program this February and this program blew my mind. Guys, I always feel proud for being part of his 5 days intensive program designed for trainers. Make sure that you share this episode with your friends by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 02. That is theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 02. And make sure to leave a review and hopefully give a 5 star rating for this show if you are listening from iTunes or Play Music. Now, without further ado, let me welcome Brigadier Susil Vaseen. Welcome back, guys. I'm super excited for this one. Brigadier Susil Vaseen. Thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, it's uh, it's uh, really, really nice of you, Vijay. I'm too happy to be here, too. We have met for the first time on December last year at one of your programs, Train the Super Trainer. And that was one of the uh, best decisions I have taken in 2017, apart from starting this podcast. When I had this idea of starting this podcast, you are among those first few people that came into my mind whom I thought I should bring on the show. And you are making it possible. Thank you very much for that. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, you don't know what a pleasure it is for me uh, to be here. Uh, Vijay, you will understand that uh, for a trainer, there is nothing more inspiring, nothing, nothing, nothing at all more inspiring uh, and satisfying than to see his students derive value and then build it up. A lot of people derive value and leave it and waste it. But you are harnessing it and you are making that wonderful and effective use of it And that is the greatest source of satisfaction for me. I'm flattened. Thank you very much for that. So you had been in army for almost 40 years, if I'm not wrong. Uh, 34 years, yeah. 34 years. So you had been in army for 34 years. I just want to know a little story about the turning point in your life where you decided to quit such a rewarding job at army and take up your passion in education. Please take us there. Tell us that little story. What? moved within you and what was that turning point that you decided to quit your rewarding job at army okay Vijay this uh, this actually is the story of my life 
and uh, i was wondering whether i should talk about it here or not because it is there on my website it is there on my book everywhere it is there so you know people who hear it may say heard it enough okay but still yeah uh, but still yeah still i'll tell you uh, it was that one little incident where i was asked to be the chairman of an army school and uh, that was not my job that was a uh, extra regimental employment a welfare oriented extra job given to you uh, away from your profession and it was just that one little talk by my boss general mahanti who said that sushil look here there are 2000 students in the school and their career is being uh, neglected because there's no principal there and uh, most parents are very unhappy and uh, many students are have already left our school and taken admissions elsewhere which is not a good sign so can you do something about it and i told them at that point of time sir i am not an educationist and after i passed out from my school i i don't know what a school looks like but all the same i'll put my effort and vijay then this thought that i have got two children and i am so concerned about their future how can i let 2000 children's life be neglected and i decided i said if i have to do this job uh, i will do it very well so i got into knowing what education is i got to the teachers i told them what i wanted and then the hindi newspaper in uh, bareilly one day says army school mein toofan aaya and they describe that this brigadier has come and he is really moving things and 6 months later the school was different it was very different we started getting people back from the uh, you know those who had left they started coming back uh we had a we had 20% vacancies of civilians and when i went i if i remember correctly not even 3 or 4% of the civilian vacancies were filled okay and when i went within about 6 months of this happening we had about again i don't remember exact figures but something like 12 to 15% of the vacancies got filled because now civilians found uh, that the school was worth coming to so vijay that one story is that on the stage mm-hmm. the head girl of the school came and she said uh, i want to say a few words about the chairman and then for 10 minutes she talked about all the improvements that had taken place in those 6 uh, months that i had been there so was that program sorry for interruption so was that program at the time of you were being relieved from the school as a, your post as a chairman no 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 i had just started so i just taken over okay and i was mm-hmm. only 6 months through i had a tenure of 2 years i finally spent 2 years there okay. and this is 6 months later when the school was just getting ready for all this so she said sir two things she said were very impactful one she said that uh we couldn't imagine the school to be like this even in 10 years what you did in 6 months thank you for that and second thing she said was thank you for restoring our pride so we used to be teased by other school children uh you go to army school and we used to feel so bad and so now we have a head up and say yes we are from the army school and bije 2000 children got up in the school and clapped and that was the turning point in my life i said look at this response 
I've done many things in the army. I don't think army as an organization ever acknowledged that. Uh, I went out of my way. I did a lot of things in the army, which I've left a lot of, uh, a lot of telltale signs behind. But I never saw the army acknowledging it. Here, the children, purely from their hearts, were acknowledging it. And then uh, I'll talk later about Bucky and about DC Cordova. And these are the people who really inspired me. And I saw that I had found a purpose of my life. And this was the purpose of my life, to transform lives of children. To give them, I just given them a small value and they were acknowledging it. Can I, from my, that time I was 54, I said, can I bring their purpose of life to them earlier than 54, that I took 54 years to find my purpose of life. Wow, that's so powerful. So you decided at that day that you were going to quit. Yeah, quit. so I yeah. came home and actually I had a conversation with God. Uh, 15 minutes of drive from my school to my home. Uh, and I'm driving in my car. I've got a star plate with one star there. Uh, and I've got a flag fluttering. And I'm going on the road. And as I go, uh, anyone on the road is saluting me. And I just said to God, I said, I've been a brigadier for eight years. Uh, thank you, God, for all this glamour. Um, you have given me power. You've given me authority. You've given me a high rank. Thank you very much for that. And then I said, God, really speaking, what can I ask you for? You've given me everything. You've given me a wonderful wife. You've given me two lovely children. You've given me good health. Materially, you have given me everything I needed. I've got a, I've got a laptop. I've got a, a car. I've got a house. I've got a microwave. I've got a fridge. What can you give me more? You yeah. can only upgrade. Yeah. I can only ask you for upgrades. I can say, God, this two BHK house is not good. Uh, can I get a bungalow mm-hmm. or this 19 inches TV? Can I replace it with a home theater? Or my Maruti car is not good enough. Can you give me a BMW? But I can't ask for anything new. What more can I ask you for? God, you've given me everything. And then I said, God, I think it's time to give back. That was my conversation with God. And when I reached home, I showed the scroll to my wife. And uh, I said, she saw it. She was also very touched and happy. And then I said, you know what? I've decided today I'm going to leave the army. She said, are you mad? You got a promotion coming up. 34 years you have slogged in the army. And now is the time to reap the fruit of it. Now is the time to enjoy. Now is the time to harness all that benefit of those 34 years of hard work. I said, but I am finding that I have reached a saturation point. I'm not growing anymore. Even if I become a major general, I'll do just the same job that I'm doing right now. Only the scale will enhance. That's it. If I'm doing contracts worth X amount, I'll do worth 3X amount, 5X amount. I don't know. But, but they will still remain the same contracts. I'm not enjoying it. And then I also said something to myself. Why should I continue doing something in my life that I'm not enjoying anymore? I have no regrets. Army was wonderful. I've never, never complained uh, army gave me everything and today whatever I'm doing it's doing because of the what I learned in the army and I'm very very grateful and I love that organization but all the same I thought that there was nothing more to contribute to it I'd done what I could and there was a time 
for me to move on to see other avenues in life. And I'm very happy about this, that, that decision. I'm very, very happy because when I see my friends who have retired, uh, they are playing golf. They are uh, many, very, very, very few of them are doing something worthwhile. Uh, from their point of view, playing golf and relaxing at home is worthwhile. Uh, looking after grandchildren is worthwhile. And I don't deny that. But I still find my life more meaningful. Yeah, it takes guts for people to quit at stage that you did it at. So how difficult was it for you to leave that respected position and come out to start something that was new and that too at the age of 54? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. And I'll tell you, Bijay, it was very challenging. It started from my uh, family. Uh, they felt it was not a good decision. Uh, I was going to start doing a new thing. And what I had in mind, uh, I wanted to run a school of my own. And I had some weird ideas. And there was going to be an experiment. And they said it's a big risk. My children are growing up. My daughter was just uh, had just entered college. Uh, and uh, no, sorry, she had just entered a job. She had just finished college. My son was still in school, uh, yet to go to college. And uh, that was not the time they thought I should take a risk because uh, it, it may be a very, very big financial risk. But I was so confident of myself. Uh, I believe that if I have a purpose, I have a passion, I have determination, there is no way that I can fail. So I used to tell people I can give myself delay, but I can't give myself failure. So I, along with my cousins, decided to run a camp. And that camp is being very successfully run, though I uh, thought I would leave it to my cousins because we were too many to handle that small project. And I wanted to go ahead and uh, do something a little differently. But that is a very interesting project and it was a very, uh, very successful business. So... Uh, and yeah, it, there was a delay of about a year. We thought we'll do it faster, but in this, we didn't know what the civil world was. We were so pampered and uh, secure in the army environment. We didn't know how civilian rules will come in our way and all that. Procedures will take longer. So first was the resistance from family. Second was friends. Uh, I have some very close friends, and this very beautifully counseled me and they told me, see, you're taking a big risk and why should you do it? So the easier option that time was the pay commission was coming. They said you will get good pension and uh, you, can, you have all the reasons to uh, make it to the rank of a lieutenant general. Though I had missed my board, I had not been selected to be a major general. But uh, that's another story. I know that if I had gone and uh, put up a little statue, complain my performance was so good uh, I have no doubts in my mind that I would have become a lieutenant general for sure if I if I was to continue but I had already decided I'm not going to continue so I didn't bother about that second was my resistance from uh, basically no basically it was these two my family my friends and of course uh, later on uh, general uh, Deepak Kapoor, who was the chief of the army staff, he had seen me work closely and uh, he was a very good well-wisher. He is rather a very good well-wisher. And uh, one day when he was a chief of the army staff and I went to see him in his office, 
And he said, how was your decision? I just left and I was out for it. He tried his best. He said, Sushil, you're not leaving the army. The army needs you. And uh, I said, sir, uh, well, uh, the army uh, did not find me suitable to be a major general. And they found others to be suitable. So let them serve the army. Uh, let me not waste my time in proving my worth to the army anymore. And and uh, let me concentrate on this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so I did that. Uh, and then he asked me, he said, how's your decision? And I told him, sir, it's very good. My course mate is your DGST. And I could have only become that. DGST is the Director General of Supplies and Transport. And that was the highest I could have been. And my very good friend and cosmate was then the DGST. I said, sir, he still has to take your permission for everything. If he has to go to Bangalore, he has to ask the quartermaster general. I don't have to ask anyone. And I said, two things stopped in my life. I don't have to use the words, put up for your approval, please. I don't have to put up, uh, may I have your permission, please? Yeah. No, I'm my boss. I'm my boss. I don't, I don't need anyone's permission. Absolutely amazing. So, and after that, you went back to get BA degree at the age of 54. Correct me if I'm wrong. With that degree, that uh, what I suppose is you wanted to understand what it's like to be an educator before you jumped out to say that you are one. Uh, actually, Vijay, it didn't happen like that. <laughs> How it happened was that there was a friend who said that there's a BA degree, would you like to do it? And I just thought, oh, it might come handy. Because when I go to a school and I say, I want to, I want to uh, give you an educational program, they will say, oh, you are an army guy. And uh, many people think army guys don't know anything about education. Uh, but the fact is that I had done something in my army career. We used to have a course called the uh, driving maintenance course. And uh, the British had left behind something called methods of instruction. And that was a very powerful system. And when I was the chairman of the school and we had any teachers coming in, we used to have an interview panel and we had to have the B.Ed. college rep, a civilian representative to be on the board for uh, recruiting teachers. And one day, the principal of the B.Ed. College in Bareilly said, Sir, I'm surprised that an army officer knows so much about teachers and teaching, uh, which I, we don't even teach this in a B.Ed. College, what you're talking about. And I said, I learned it from the British Army. It was called Methods of Instruction. So I had a lot of instructional experience. So instead of teaching in a school, I had been teaching in various uh, schools of instruction in the army. So from my instructional capability, I didn't want to do B.Ed., but it was there that I should have something on my visiting card that when I go to a school, okay. uh, I should not yeah. look or appear uneducated. That is it. Okay, okay, okay. So uh, what happened after that? How was the world outside army? Was it open to what you had to offer initially or you struggled to get your voice heard? Vijay, it was a struggle. It was a, such a struggle and it hasn't ended. It is still there. Okay. It is still yeah. there. It hasn't ended. I'll tell you what happened. If I went to a school, firstly, no principal would give you access. You can't meet principals. And the schools, at least in Bombay, I thought later on I discovered that if you wanted to sell an idea of a camp, 
or of an educational program which we were doing was experiential learning or using outdoors and adventure as a tool for learning uh, people didn't take it seriously that's one secondly it was quite equated by many principals and one day one principal and she is no more god bless her soul uh, she said something which was very insulting to me uh, one of course that she returned my visiting card i gave her my visiting card and she gave it back and said i don't need it and there was a brochure along with it and she says oh i get many vendors and i said ma'am i am not a vendor i am an educator and a passionate educator okay now many principals would say ki such camps to come to me at 200 rupees a day and we had established a very high standard of a camp it was a high end camp with lot of values uh, instituted infrastructurally it was very good probably it is the best camp today i don't think of any camp in india which can beat the empower activity camps okay uh, and it and it is still growing it is growing uh, at a very steady pace but they wouldn't understand and now i can't do business at 200 rupees because i have spent a lot of money in bringing other infrastructure so we were not getting schools easily at all and then i got ryan international schools for some time and we did a good job with them but for some reasons they also stopped giving us business uh, something more personal than institutional i leave that besides uh, even today even today if i am now uh, doing a very interesting program with tapti valley international school it's thank to mr pramod who's the trustee who understood my vision and because he has a vision of producing high quality human beings and not marx oriented uh, citizens uh, our ideas clicked and he's given me one year assignment of building the faculty there so now this is in 12 years or 13 years is the first time i got a school to really understand what i was saying okay so this struggle is still there and schools still don't understand that and then uh, which i must tell you when we went to schools and struggled for about a year or two and we got one odd program very few of them we went into corporate because corporate was giving us points and we had invested money and we could sustain it till we did something that got in revenue so it became corporates that became uh, the the focal point because not because of my design but default it had had to happen so we started doing 80% corporate training and 20% so for me i have always been using this expression that for bread and butter it is corporate but for the jam the one i enjoy it's still school it's still students but <laughs> the students okay, like my work absolutely. and the students come back to me and that's what inspired to write my book it is design your life it is for the students when they come back to me 10 years later 8 years later uh there are very very large number of uh, students from the army school who are now married and grown up people and when they come to you and say it's uh, you changed my life or you impacted my life there's nothing more important to me than that yeah so now you conduct hundreds of training programs every year one thing i wanted to know particularly is what does your preparation for these programs look like well uh, i'll tell you that uh, there are two ways of looking at it and there's one gentleman called uh, uh, thyagi th- 
Tyagi. And uh, Tyagi is the godfather of facilitation. And one day he said, how much time do you think I prepared for this workshop? And uh, most people, including me, said zero. And he said, you are right. I have not even spent one minute to prepare for this workshop. But can I say another way? Mm -hmm. I have invested 40 years into this workshop. Yeah. Because what I'm teaching you is from my 40 years experience. So I'll tell you two things based on what I just told you. One is that every program, every single program of mine is customized as per the client requirement. Mm -hmm. To the extent that yesterday I did a program with Tapti Valley International School, mm -hmm. which was a goal setting program for students of 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th preparing for their board exams. And in April, I had done for the same school a goal-setting program for the teachers. Now, there is a workbook for both of them. You'll see they are very different. So even for the same client, <clears throat> a program is designed according to the requirements of the program. And what I vary, for me, the focus is desired outcome. My program is supposed to be a transformational program. It must transform people. So when you want to do transformation, it is something like your GPS. Do you know your destination? If I don't put the destination, my GPS can't show me a direction. There are two things. I must know my start point. I must know my destination. Mm -hmm. So I ask for these two things from a client. Where are the people right now? At what level have they reached? And where do you want to take me? You want me to take them? So it's entirely the GPS. I'm going to be the GPS. I'm going to give you a direction to move from where you are to where you want to be. And my speciality is, I'll take you further to where you can be. You don't even know that. I think uh, that's very important for a trainer to understand needs of his clients or the person he is teaching. Because if you don't know their level, then you cannot uh, add value to what they uh, should learn from you. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Uh, in fact, uh, to all, all trainers, and you know you know it very well in my Train the Super Trainer program, it is these qualities of trainers that I'm trying to imbibe. See, I'm not so um, worried about teaching them the normal things that any Train the Trainer program teaches them. I'm trying to give them those values that I find are the most important values. I call them critical values. Yeah, I myself have learned a lot from your Train the Super Trainers program. It was a game changer for me. Thank you so much for acknowledging that. Yeah, you, you absolutely you absolutely on that. Let's talk about your book, Design Your Life. So can you please share with my audience, what is your book, Design Your Life, about and who must read it? Okay, so see, uh, when I wrote this book, Firstly, of course, uh, I said what made me write this book. Uh, it was my love for my children and really speaking, their love for me, which I got in return. So I told you when I started getting feedback uh, from people who found my program very useful. And sometimes like uh, I was chatting on Facebook uh, at night and two o'clock mid um, after midnight, I find a girl saying, hi, sir. And I said, oh, what are you doing at two o'clock? And she said, I'm in USA. Uh, my husband is here. I just got married. And then she said, sir, uh, I just saw you and I wanted to say hi. I said, well, what made you say hi to me? So she said, the three days that I spent in your camp five years back were the best three days of my life. 
So I said, after five years, you are saying that, what, what makes you remember those three days? So Vijay, what she said is so inspiring, and that made me write this book. Uh, I mean, the story is like this. When I said, if these people who have experienced me are finding it useful, can I reach out to millions of people through this book? And that is why the purpose of that book is to reach out to millions. And that is why uh, I've been doing some work of even presenting these books to schools and libraries where earning out of the book is not the question. I want to see how many people read it. I want more and more people to read my book uh, than to buy my book. Because if I give it to a library, then one book gets read by many people. Okay, the point you asked me, let me come to that question. This book, if I my focus, it looked at a child in class 10. That was my start point. What does a student do in his life to take the first professional decision of his life? And to my mind, that decision is in class 10 when you decide which stream to take. Professionally, that's the first decision you take. Should I join science? Should I do join uh, arts or commerce or humanities? And once you take that decision, that becomes a start point for the rest of your life. If you took science, you can't do what a commerce student could have done. That decision, was that decision taken radically? Was that decision taken with all aspects considered so that you don't regret that decision two years later? This is what my book covers. And then I say every step from there was a decision. Okay, and we are a sum total of the decisions we took in our lives, small or big. Sometimes even a small decision, I'm driving and instantly I have to decide whether I should take the left lane or the right lane. Or I'm at a junction, should I go straight or should I take right? Both lead to the same destination. I took the right and met with an accident. I took, so I say, if I had taken the left, I wouldn't have met with an accident. So even that decision has made an impact in my life and I can't predict them. But can I equip myself to do something about it? And this book talks about how to take those decisions, number one, how to cope up with the decisions that you took did not work for you, the recourse. And that is where this book is not only meant for students, also meant for, so some people at 40 have found my book useful because my book questions, are you happy doing what you're doing? Are you living your passion? Are you, if you're not enjoying what you love doing, you're not living your life fully. So if you want to live your life fully, convert your passion to your profession. So when I tell a student, I tell them this. But when I tell an adult in a corporate training program, I tell them, if you couldn't marry the girl you loved, please start loving the girl you married. So start loving your profession. <laughs> yeah. Start loving your profession. And if you can't love your profession, please divorce it. Yeah. And find another, find another option. So that is what this book talks about. So it is, you know, uh, I have a quote and that quote is my prayer. And the prayer is, oh God, give me the capability of facing the consequences of the decisions I take. It is not, it's not a bad decision. It is your capability of coping up with a bad decision or handling it. So this book is all about inspiring people to lead a life which is their choice and how to shape it the way they want to. 
And I say everyone is 100% responsible for his life. That is the quotation from uh, Jack Canfield, which I learned in 2005. One of his principles of success is you are 100% responsible for your life. And I heard it first time in 2005. I've practiced it and I found it so true. It's true in everyone's case. Nobody else is responsible for your life. You yourself are. So I built that up in this and said, if you are 100% responsible in your life, please, please design your life your way. Yeah. That is it. That is the book about yeah, that's so powerful. So in your book, Design Your Life, by the way, guys, make sure you pick it up. It's a great read and has got some awesome insights on it. I have added the link for the book on show notes at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash zero two. So in your book, you talk about knowing yourself. Why do you think it is important for one to know themselves in order to reach that level of success he or she wants? That's a very, very Good question, Vijay, and I'm very happy and proud of you to come out with that question. See, uh, and a very deep question. Today I am 66, and I'm still struggling to know more about myself. We all live in a make-believe world. We start believing what people tell us about ourselves. Whether it's your parents, your teachers, they make you believe that you're so-and-so and that becomes your identity. So in my parenting workshops, I tell people, don't be judgmental even about your children. You have no right to. And the one thing that a parent should never, never, ever tell his child is, you are not capable of doing this. Don't do that. You are not good at it. You are not an authority on that. Please let that child decide for himself. So because we have got an identity that is given to us by our parents, by our children, by our, sorry, by our teachers, by our friends, I want you to overcome that and build an identity of yourself. And now there are instruments available, whether you do an extended disc, which I found very, very good, and I'm certified on that. Whether you use any, there are a lot of psychometric instruments. There are instruments like DMIT, which some of my friends use, and my TTSC students like Jukesh and uh, uh, Mahinda Thakur use it very effectively, and I found it very good. Uh, those are, of course, some assistance you can take, but it is more about a deep sea dive into yourself to understand yourself, because... Till you know yourself, how will you harness your potential? And most of us leave this planet not even knowing 10% of your potential. I strongly believe in that. So while you are living as early as possible, please understand yourself. So your self-discovery, I think, is the biggest challenge that any individual faces. And if I'm struggling that at 66, I'm helping lots of people at a younger age to identify their self and their purpose of life. And uh, that's another thing I've learned recently, recently in the last three, four years. And I have to thank this Madam DC Cordova. For me, she's been like a godfather, godmother, whatever you call her. She's like Mother Teresa. She's like Mahatma Gandhi. She's like Mel Nelson Mandela. She's like actually Bucky. 
And she is the one who introduced me to Bucky. And there's so much to learn from this lady. So I'm a great fan of hers, not a fan, I'm, I'm a true follower of hers. And I do, a, so I did a program called Money and You. And I'm telling you, it's a very, 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 very powerful program. And I learned a lot from that program, lots. And uh, a lot of what I'm doing today, uh, that has the base. So uh, studying self, I, I can talk. In fact, uh, Vijay, I'm talking to you. You asked me such a powerful question. If I happen to write a book on uh, know, know Yourself, I think you will be in the preface. Mm -hmm. Okay. for giving me, this, giving me this super idea yeah I mean that's uh, you know some strong uh, topic that I myself uh, learn a lot and what hurts me to see is a lot of people die without realizing their potential and what I say is when they don't realize their potential they are not just doing injustice not to themselves but to the world as well we want we want to see yes, the talent of yes, the people yes. please bring it out we want as a world to see what you have got so i also emphasize on so people today, to uh, if you remember this was a point i brought out in your stbc uh, in your trainer trainer program uh, i just recall and that is what bucky is saying it's not your life this life doesn't belong to you this life belongs to the universe and if you are not giving out your contribution to the universe you are harming the universe or not or not letting the universe get the best out of you. Yeah. And and I think you're obliged to do it. It's not a favor. So therefore, therefore, by not knowing yourself, you have deprived the universe. Yeah. And you have no business to do that. Yeah, that's so powerful. That's powerful stuff. So uh, you have always emphasized in role of mentors in one's success, be it getting in shape, writing a book or grow your business. Why having a mentor can do wonders in one's life? You can give examples that you could think of. My God, that's another very, very interesting. I know how you have been able to identify such wonderful questions, Vijay. Uh, compliments to you for that. Thank you very much. Thank you. See, the first time I understood the importance of a coach or a mentor was when I did Tony Robbins workshop or program. I did two of his programs. One was in Singapore in 2015. Uh, and then that was in May. And the same October, I did another program of his where I went all the way to Sydney. And a lot of people said, are you crazy doing all this? And incidentally, I've invested close to 15 to 20 lakhs of rupees in my personal development after leaving the army. So I am crazy. I go into his program. I went all the way to Australia to do this program. And what he taught us there, it was actually from a golf lesson. And because I am a golfer, I understood it very well. He said that if I go and hit 100 balls every day, I'm not going to improve as a golfer. Because I'm going to be practicing and practicing and hard working on the same mistakes that I'm making. And I cannot see my fault because there's no mirror there. Now, if I have a coach standing in front of me and he just tells me a very small little thing and he says, you are not concentrating on the ball. Your eyes are getting off the ball. That is the reason why you're not hitting well. And then I just concentrate on getting uh, my focus on the ball. I find my balls going right. Now, if I didn't have a mentor to tell me that, I 
would have continued on and not not even knowing that I'm making a mistake. So he is the world's number one motivational speaker, business trainer, whatever you say. And again, I get very inspired by him. I've done all his programs. I've read all his books. Uh, I have watched more than 200 of his videos. He is so powerful in saying all this, and uh, that power has come into me. I've imbibed it from him. And he, being at that level, has six coaches for himself. Mm -hmm. He's got a financial coach. He's got a physical fitness coach. We happen to uh, go through some coaching of his in our UPW, which is Unleash the Power Within. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. So uh, I understood there very well that if Tony Robbins needs a coach, why don't I need a coach? Yeah. And I must tell you another story, and that is about my book. Mm-hmm. I in Tony Robbins' workshop in uh, Singapore, uh, he had a few more speakers coming for short workshops, and Jerry Robert came and talked about a book. And he said, "How many of you want to write? Uh, wanted to write a book and didn't write it?" And uh, I was one among the many who raised a hand. And he says, "How long has it been that you wanted to write a book?" And I said, "Almost fifteen years." Then why didn't you write it? So I said, "Who will read my book?" And I write an essay, and I made so many mistakes. I don't know how many mistakes will be there in my book, and uh, I don't even know what to write on and thing like that. So after he heard all of us say all things, thing, he said, "The problem is you want to write a perfect book. Why don't you start with your first imperfect book?" So I always see, and a lot of people ask me, "Why do you say this?" So I say, "My first imperfect book is." published because i got inspired to say hey you can write an imperfect book let me write one now i got down to it and i and he also said you must announce your commitment to a good friend or somebody i went to facebook in may 2015 and i said i'm going to write a book by 31st december i am a great fan of brian tracy i set a goal according to what he had taught us and my goal for 31st december without calculating anything without going into details i just set a goal december 2015 i will write my my uh, goal uh, my book so that was kind of decision that uh, your emotional brain was making maybe you know that was not coming from your rational part of the brain but uh, you were maybe overwhelmed with the emotions that you know you wanted to write a book so yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely absolutely so uh, coming to that uh, i made this commitment and somewhere so december i had to write this book somewhere in the month of november one day casually my wife asked me uh, what happened to the book that you were writing i said yeah it's all done he said where is it i haven't seen you writing it i said it's all in my mind <laughs> it's all in my mind so she yeah. said no no the book is not to be written in the mind it has to be written on paper and i said oh, that i'm still to start and that book was never written and then it carried on and i got busy with other assignments and challenges and the book was not written In May 2015, I come across this wonderful guy called Satish Purohit, and he did a similar workshop like what uh, Jerry Robert did. And I got inspired, and I remembered that Jerry Robert had said this, and I couldn't do it. And I realized that if I have a coach, we'll do it. 
And Satish Prabhat said, if I join, if you join my program, I'll make sure that your book is published. So then I called him home. We had a chat and I took a decision and I knew that decision would not be welcome from my wife because she had already faced it that you say something, you don't do it. You will spend money and you will not do it. So without telling my wife, uh, and I asked the, she didn't even ask for it, uh, would you like an advance? And I gave him a check of 25,000 rupees as an advance so that I get committed to it and my wife doesn't influence me and, and uh, sort of tell me uh, or inspire me or convince me not to write the book. So now Stish Purohit is the one who made it possible. He would not only coach me, but he came down to calculating how many pages book and what do you, when do you want to be published, uh, when do you want to write it. I said 31st December again. I know why we take end of year and all. I know these are the milestones. And Brian Tracy says, why are you doing that? It could be any day. Tony Robbins also says, why New Year's resolution? You can make a resolution today for the rest of the year. Your year of resolution can start today. It doesn't have to be the 1st of January. So, uh, Sish Purohit gave me a very, very structured design. And he said, you have to write 1,000 words a day. And the day my words were not written, he would just send me an SMS, sometimes just one word. So once I remember the word was commitment. <laughs> just give me yeah. a hand. Uh, commitment. Yeah. And you're not honoring it. And you teach commitment to people. And it's not doing uh -huh. it. And I said, yeah, yeah. So she'll be saying, wake up. You are preaching this and you're not practicing it. So you have to do it. So that is the type of force that you create within yourself. So I create I create a boss over myself. So I have, a, I have two personalities. It is my internal and my external self. So I take out myself from my internal self and say, hey, Sushil Basin, you have to write your book today. Uh, and then one day I told him, I said, Stish, I can't write anymore because, you know, I'm getting stuck. There's nothing more to write. And so he said, sir, this is called the writer's block. So when you have writer's block, you tell me, I'll help you out, but you still have to write. Okay. And if you're not able to write on your book, write anything. Hmm. Then he hmm. says, you go to a gym to do an exercise. Writing 1,000 words a day is building your writing muscles. So today, write on something else. Write on anything. Write a story. Okay. Write on an incident. But write your 1,000 words. So today, I tell you, Vijay, Stish Purohit has given me a lot of value. And similarly, I won't go into details, but I made another goal when the doctor told me you have to go through a knee replacement. And the only way of avoiding it was to lose my weight because he said your, uh, your your knees are carrying so much of extra weight. And he did an experiment where he asked me to hold two bricks. And he said, how long can you hold them? So he made me hold those bricks and I held them for five minutes and then another five minutes and two minutes and then I couldn't hold them any further. And he says that this is exactly the weight your knees are carrying. You couldn't carry it for seven, eight minutes, ten minutes. And your knees are carrying it the whole day, aren't you? being very unfair to your knees. So I decided that come what may, I have to reduce my weight. So I went to an app called obino.com and uh, thanks to Ritu of obino.com, she gave me such a wonderful counselor, such a wonderful uh, coach and her name is Bhumika and thanks to Bhumika, 15 kgs was lost in five months time. And 
and today I'm maintaining yeah. it. So the coach, I just told you why coach is important. Yeah, ex- exactly. Having person who have walked through path that you would like to uh, achieve and uh, uh, having those person as mentor definitely helps you in achieving your goals faster. Most of people don't understand this early on. So we will move further. So how do you treat your failures? Does it stops you from moving forward or strengthens you? No, actually it strengthens me and more of it is in my book. There is a chapter, there's one complete chapter called Failure as a Tool for Learning. And... Uh, uh, there's a lady called Kim Whitner who has written on my Facebook beautifully and she just loved she's sitting in America look at the power of social media she read my book there and then she came onto a Facebook live to say that this is such a powerful tool and I've used it in my life whenever I failed and again coming back from DC Cordova uh, and uh, many others who say you either succeed or you learn it's not you succeed and you fail you never fail if you are open to treating that failure as a lesson. So I, I very strongly believe in that. Guys, I'm enjoying this conversation with Brigadier Susil Vasin, and I hope you are too. Now it's time for enlightening round. But before that, here's a small request for you. If you love listening to this podcast, make sure you subscribe to our newsletters at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash subscribe. And also, don't forget to like The Inspiring Talk Facebook page for latest updates. So, Brigadier Susil Vasin, are you ready to rock the enlightening round? Oh, yes. Uh, yes, that's, that's the excitement. I like you who's so excited. Vijay, uh, I have no option. I mean, <laughs> it is so contagious and I can see the excitement in you. So, and I've seen that excitement over five days in the camp we did. So I, I really admire you for that uh, josh. You know, there are many English words for it, but I never find anything. Uh, that uh, powerful is uh, josh. josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what is your message to 21 years old Susil Vasin who just started out in his career? Never, 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 never give up. Wow. That's my... Wow. See, uh, let me tell you, and this is very important. I was exactly 19, passing out from IMA, last few days of my stay in the IMA and you're looking forward to the most important day of your life, the day you're going to get commissioned by the president of India. And something happened. I was running a long distance uh, race. I was uh, going to be very instrumental uh, in the in the winning of our athletic championship by my company. And when I was about to run, I had a backache. I got a catch and I couldn't even straighten myself. And now there's a dilemma. If I don't run, my company may lose. And the army taught us something. And that is what we fight the war with, is you live for your battalion. You live for your pulton. In that, in IMA, you're living for your company. Your company can't, your company is bigger than you. Your backache is not as important as the company is. So Sushil Basin, get up, you have to run. And I ran. Hmm. I ran and I could, and it was 5,000 meters. And all of you know, it is 12 and a half rounds. 
So there are 24 participants, two per company. There are 12 companies. And I was 24th in the first three rounds. By running those at the slow speed, I was almost jogging. Somewhere that warming up straightened my back. The pain seemed to go down. And something came up in me and said, Sushil Basin, you can't be 24th. So one is that if I didn't participate, there were minus points. So that I've already avoided, I participated. Now, can I give a positive point? Negative points I have avoided, so my company can be grateful to me that I did not allow negative points. But that's not good enough for me. So I started getting a little faster. And in the fourth round, I overtook two people. And then I took another, overtook another six, seven people. And by the time I was, if I remember correctly, sixth or seventh round, I had already be, I was already in the middle of that 24 people's contingent. And then something happened that now it is giving me that little encouragement as also my pain had vanished. And I ran faster and faster and faster. And Vijay, by the time I was in the last few rounds, I was 10th. Now, 10 out of 24 is not a bad position. But the company gets a point only I'm in the first six. First position gets six points and sixth position gets one point. And my company uh, under officers, Jasbir, and Jasbir is a very, very, very powerful soldier and I have uh, all the regards for him. Uh, and he's today a handicapped person. He's on a wheelchair. And you have to see his, his quality of Josh we were talking about. Uh, he's one of my best cosmates on when it comes to Josh. So Jasbir, I remember Jasbir had told me, Sushil, you have to get me at least one point. That one point is crucial in getting our overall championship. And now it was 10th to 6th. And now I found that the crowd was not cheering people who were standing first, second, third. Because they saw me come from 24th position to 10th position with the crowd doing that and I getting inspired and my back vanishing I started moving forward and then I said to myself I have to be in the first six come what may whether I'm alive or dead and then I remember one more thing that uh, one of our instructors had said once that if you are a good athlete at the end of the race there should be zero energy left in you then only can you say, I've given out my best. So I said, no, I still have energy. It's not zero. And I ran faster and faster and faster. And Vijay, I stood sixth. Wow. That has been the biggest lesson of my life. Never give up. No, I, but by doing that, I came out, but this backache became bad. And then I got my commission. I became a low medical category. I was in the infantry. And now this low backache became a hindrance in my growth. And five years later, the only option was to change over to ASC. That was not a preferred option. I had an inspiring thing. I wanted to be a general. I wanted to be successful in the army. And my ambition was being killed by my back. And then there's one day a doctor in Dhanapur where I was posted said to me something like this. Sushil, do you want a sure cure for your backache? Ah, I was looking for somebody like that. I said, yes, sir, tell me. He said, learn to live with it. I said, what? At the age of 22, you mean to say, I'll have to learn to live with a backache? He said, yes. 
you have got a major problem and nothing will happen. And I said, I used to write a diary and I used some words. I said, fuck this bastard. I am going to deny him. I am going to make sure I don't listen to him and disprove what he's saying. And then rest is story. I overcame my medical category. I started not only, I started playing squash, a mistake that I did in staff college, I was playing squash and I again got bedridden. Uh, but I continued and then I went to Bush. I got a nature cure doctor. The nature cure doctor cured me forever. And today at 66, I still have a straight back. And if I had listened to that doctor and given up and started learning how to live with that backache, I would have been a different person. So my my one word or one uh, lesson of my life, which I would like to share with anyone is never, never, ever give up. What inspires you to do everything that you do? My purpose. My purpose. I know that now I have a purpose in my life. I have to transform as many lives as I can. And I have a target of one lakh. Uh, I've already, I've already, I'll say inspired people. I don't know how many of them really produce results, but I'm counting um, and I have a people's counter. So how many people do I get to inspire? That means how many people do I get a chance to do a workshop with? So I've already crossed one lakh in that number. Wow, but, that's, that's But amazing. I am working on a premise that if I interact with one lakh people, I say only 5% will get get really inspired and to yeah, real like, action. Like yeah. You are one of them, for example, I'll say a person who I got a chance to inspire and that inspiration has taken you to the next level. And when I see you so successful, I just love the way you're doing things. Oh, I feel so happy because my inspiration worked. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so absolutely. this is my purpose and there's nothing. Uh, it doesn't let me sleep. It may be, makes me get up in the morning. Yeah, in the camp itself, I have seen the passion that you have at your age. I, I was uh, so moved by, you know, your passion and dedication that you have shown at the camp. You were the person going to the bed last and waking up first. So that was so inspiring to see Thank you, you. Thank doing you. that. that is, yeah, that is what most people say. And I, I yeah. keep thanking God. I don't know where that energy comes from. A lot of people ask me, where do you get this energy from? And I have no clue where I get it from. But if I have to guess, it is only from my purpose. And thanks to Madam D.C. Cordova, she taught me my purpose. Of course, it came to me in 54 in army school, but I didn't know that I discovered my purpose. Which one daily habit do you believe has been game changer for you in your success journey? Well, um, there are a couple of them, but if I say that one most important thing is that when I set on to do a job, uh, I don't sleep till I've done it. Uh, so I take a job and then uh, I must finish it. And uh, I don't I don't undertake a job till I know I can put in my best. So I'll rather reject a job right in the beginning. I've rejected a lot of my training programs because I knew I'll never be able to produce results because the organization wanted it in a way that I couldn't do it. An organization says I want a team building program for 200 people in three hours. And I said, I can't build a dream in three hours. Please go to a trainer who can do that. And I'll not take on that assignment because that will never happen. So if I know that something can't be done, I'll rather not do it. 
which one book according to you is a must read for everyone seeking to improve their life uh, design your life of course <laughs> no. yeah uh, yeah no. apart from that, your book no, that uh, maybe the book that has changed no, your life that, that i was kidding of course uh, see there's one book uh, there are many many books of course and i like to read books um, and i couldn't i couldn't in my life read as many books as i wanted to but anyway one book that really inspires me and i recommend it to almost everyone is ken blanchard's well done and well done is about how to inspire people below you how to encourage them uh, both in your personal and professional life and that small little book which you can read in 3 hours it has got a big font uh, it has got very few pages a small little book uh and every chapter has a personal and a professional angle uh and i use every bit of that learnings in my life and i feel it inspires everyone so that is one uh, book i treat as a bible of course there are many more but i would talk about that yeah i also got opportunity to have hands on uh, that book and uh, that is so powerful so powerful so any anyone who's done my program has heard about it because that is one book i recommend to everyone yeah so if you were to start this success journey all over again what are those three things that you would have done differently oh my god that's a very difficult question uh but one that comes to my mind is just this book see today i feel that i am not half as well read as i should have been and uh i never picked up a habit of reading in the so if i was to live my life again one is i would read and read and read and i tell all the youngsters you know uh, with the electronic media and all uh, reading books has gone down uh, uh, i would still see or uh, like to encourage my youngsters read read and read now if you can read a book in its normal format because i still find even today i don't find kindle uh, half as effective uh, i don't find reading on the laptop as good uh i still feel that a hard copy of a book is the best companion that you have but because i didn't pick up this habit early enough in life uh, i i feel a void there and i feel everyone should do it uh secondly is physical fitness uh although today uh, nobody could realize it more than me uh, i have you know gone up and down in that curve i was in a scenic school i learned the importance of physical fitness uh yet i forgot about it in in the middle i became lazy stopped looking after my health and neglected my health quite a lot so health and physical fitness is something i'll say is number 2 i would i would like to take a very different approach if i was to live my life again and um third is innovations i started innovating a lot in my life later and today when you are in the vuca world where everything is volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous Uh, the only thing that will make you survive and succeed is innovations so these are the three things i would see that i could have done differently if i was to live my life again so here's the last question before we say goodbye so the question is consider that there's a big billboard out there seen by millions of people and if you have to write three words on it what would those three words be live life king size 
live life king size that's very powerful that's very powerful or of course uh, the other message i give you never give up i think one of them i choose before we say goodbye where can people find more about you and your business or please feel free to share your website course email book or social media that where can people connect with you learn more from you so firstly bijay somewhere you know your business and um, as a soldier i've never thought of business as and that business world was never good for me so i really still don't play to business despite my doing mmi of the harvaker and uh, Uh, his course has really made me uh, feel that uh, your approach to money and business has to be different and it's changed anyway uh, my passion is so much strong that business comes to me later yes to connect with me i love people to connect with me i like to talk to as many people as possible so my telephone number which is there uh, 9987082135 uh, i normally attend to most phone calls Uh, a lot of people say you should not be accessible but i am that is my way of life uh, i am available on almost all social media so you can be on my uh, on my website and incidentally my website is being revamped and it will be up very soon and you're going to see a very dynamic website uh, i have a i have a friend arti narang who is doing a wonderful job on that uh, so website is Uh, com, and then I'm on all social media you'll find me on Facebook where I'm most active uh, I'm also active on LinkedIn Twitter Instagram uh, Quora uh, Google Plus whatever everywhere in there so but I would prefer to be more on Facebook where I have two pages there's a page of my book there's a page of my Brig Sushil Basin that is professional page and then of course my my account where i have 5000 friends and 2000 followers uh, that still remains to be my foundation so that is how i am connected everywhere guys make sure that you connect with him on facebook and all the social media and please let him know and let me know what you think about this episode Brigadier Sushilvasin I would like to thank you for showing us that is is just a number and if there is a strong desire to make impact in this world you can make this happen at any age thank you for that and thank you for being on the show thank you Vijay thank you very much for this opportunity and uh, I feel very happy on one thing that you are doing so well I'm very proud of you uh, number 2 is that uh, thank you for this opportunity I I think a brilliant idea of your finding this podcast as a medium and uh, uh, i i uh, wish you all the success you are picking up some very good speakers i really like that idea and i'll help you get even more speakers there uh, because you are doing something which is also uh, adding to or reinforcing my purpose uh, that is that we want more good to go to the planet and uh, to the universe and incidentally i started spelling universe as y o u n i v e r s e so it is your universe and thank you for all that thank you for this opportunity and i'm sure with this effort even my messages would go across to more people and i would be very happy about that thank you very much I appreciate that I appreciate thank you very much there you have it guys 
if you got some inspiration, if you learned something from this episode, make sure that you share it with your family and friends by visiting theinspiringtalk.com for us last zero two. There are some tweetables on Sonos. Make sure you tweet them by visiting theinspiringtalk.com for us last zero two. And don't forget to tag me at the red BJ Speaks and Brigadier Susil Vasin at the red Susil Vasin on Twitter. And to finish this, guys, is is only number. If you are willing to make impact in this world and take your life to the next level, all you need to do is start taking actions today itself and keep pushing until you get what you are set out for. I'll catch you in the next. Thank you for listening. And now go out there and create something inspiring. Inspiring.